Good morning. My name is Matthew Rojek, and along with my wife Betty, we've been down at Mac a little bit over 10 years. It's our joy and our pleasure to serve here. Grateful to Pastor Leon and the Elder Board for giving me opportunity to share God's Word with you. And I hope you guys know I take this very seriously. It, it scares me to consider sharing God's Word with you, and I pray that you also have that healthy fear of the Lord as you hear the Word of God that will bring responsibility to you. I'm going to read Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Jesus. Before they could come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We're going to focus on the second part of verse 21. So if you guys would bow your heads and pray with me as we open God's word. What a joy it is in this season of Advent to know that the longing of our hearts will have been fulfilled because of Christ Jesus' birth. Lord, as we simulate darkness, the darkness of the world, the darkness of us before you brought light to our souls, Lord, we just commend to you today's sermon. Lord, would your name be exalted? Would your people be encouraged? And Father God, my hearts have hope. In Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I was listening to a sermon, and the pastor told a story. And he told the story of a husband and wife who wanted to adopt a couple of children. So they flew to Russia, having had this prearranged. And as the husband and wife entered the orphanage, the stench overwhelmed them. As they walked back to see the two boys that they were going to adopt, in the crib, the boys were in their own filth. And it was just despicable conditions. And every night as they went back to their hotel, because they were only there for a week in preparation to being approved for adoption, as they walked out, leaving the two sons behind, the sons would cry out in anguish because they knew that their comfort was walking away. The last day that they were there, as they left, a final goodbye to come back to the States, awaiting months of paperwork, it seemed like the children cried even harder. And as they were in tears walking out, the husband turned around and went back. And he basically said the words of Jesus. He said, I will not leave you forever, but I shall come again and take you to be with me. 
As the months lingered on, they went back. And as they were able to adopt the boys, when they were leaving the orphanage to take the boys to a new home, the boys turned around and looked out the rear window and cried looking at the orphanage because it was the only home, the only security that they had known. Even in all that filth where no one was holding them, caressing them, kissing them, meeting their most basic needs, they longed for that. And it just seemed to me it's an extremely appropriate example of what we're going to talk about today. They didn't know, they didn't have a people. They were orphans. And the scripture we're talking about today talks about Jesus will save His people. These orphans were going from not being a people, wanderers, lost, to having a people. And also, as they longed for this orphanage, the only security that they knew, as despicable and miserable as it was, so often you and I look back, even after becoming believers, to the sin that held us in its grasp. So again, we're going to talk a little bit about His people and their sin. And I'd like to give you like a Cliff Notes version going all the way back to Genesis 1.26 where it seems like the Trinity was standing around talking and God said, let us make man in our own image. So we formed man out of the dust, breathed life in him, created Eve. That alone to think that you and I are made in God's image. And then later in chapter 2, it talks about this beautiful image of God walking in the garden in fellowship with His children. How'd you like to come out of the back door with a cup of coffee and have the Father smelling roses in your backyard? Hey, how's it coming naming all those animals, naming all those plants? To have fellowship with the Creator of you as well as the universe. And then later, from Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, God continually is reaching out to mankind, reestablishing His covenant, reminding the nation of Israel that they are His people. He is their God, and He desires to dwell with them. And then after He's made this covenant with these men, through the prophets, He is consistently calling Israel to repentance, calling them back to the obedience that he asks of his children, that he may be his God, they may be his people, and he will dwell with them. And then as we consider the scriptures, if we look in uh, Luke 2, man, it's so cool we had a baby dedication. So in Luke 2, Mary and Joseph bring baby Jesus into the temple for dedication, and who do they run into? Simeon. And man, I love Advent to hear this story. Simeon was a godly, righteous man. And it says, when Jesus and uh, Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus in the temple, Simeon was pondering the consolation of Israel. And they reference Isaiah 40, verse 1, where it talks about comforting Israel, comforting God's own people. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he was not going to die 
until he saw this consolation of Israel in flesh. And as Mary and Joseph walked in, he recognized that the consolation of Israel was before him. And he picked the baby up. And Alex and Heidi, can you imagine if Leon would have prophesied over your daughter something like that? I mean, Mary and Joseph would have, must have been amazed. And it said at the same time, there was a prophetess, Anna, and she constantly was in the temple praying and fasting. And it said at this time, she was talking about the redemption of Israel. These two prophets were longing for his people to finally meet their Redeemer. So up, up till now, um, I want you guys to be clear, it's only been about Israel. It was about the nation of Israel, the ethnicity of the Jews, but something happens in Acts 10. If you guys know the story, Peter is praying, he's on his rooftop midday, and he goes into a trance, and he has a vision. And in this vision, a blanket or a handkerchief is coming down from heaven, and there's animals in this blanket, on this handkerchief. And Peter notices that they are unclean animals, by law forbidden to be eaten or even touched by Israelites. So Peter sees this come down. He hears a spirit say to him, kill and eat. Peter says, man, I'm not going to do that. I've never eaten or touched anything unclean. The third time it happens, the Spirit of God says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And he says, by the way, there's going to be some people knocking on your door. I'd like you to go with them. Meanwhile, Cornelius a devout man of God, but a Gentile, separate from the nation of Israel, outside of the his people designation. But it says he's a righteous man, and God says to him, hey, send a Joppa for some guy named Peter. He's going to come instruct you in the way of God. So Cornelius sends some of his servants. They go, they knock on the door. Peter comes down, opens the door, says, hey, I know why you're here. God's already spoke. I'm going with you. Grabs some disciples. He says, guys, we're on a road trip. Goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius invites him in. And Peter says, you know that it's not even lawful for me to walk into your door. Because in the Jews' eyes, that was unacceptable, unclean, because they were outside the fold of his people, being Gentiles. And then Peter says, what do you want? And he says, I want to know the full way of God. And as Peter begins to unfold the story of Jesus Christ, sharing the entirety of the gospel with him, really cool thing happened. The disciples recognize and say, wow, God doesn't even withhold his grace, his redemption from those outside of his normal people group. And how did they notice that? Because similarly to the book of Acts, chapter 1, when God comes down and fills his people with a new language, new languages. The Spirit of God brought those. This happened to the Jewish, uh, I'm sorry, to Cornelius and those that were with him, his family and his friends. And Peter and the disciples say, wow, 
a new thing has happened. So you've got to understand, for centuries, it was just Israel. So much so that if you recall, most of the times Jesus had any dealings with anyone outside the nation of Israel, he had turned his back on them and said, I'm not here for you guys. I'm here for the nation of Israel. And yet, God broadens his people group to include the entire world. And then I want to kind of confine this a little bit more, or maybe expand it a little bit more. Remember in Romans 2, Scriptures say, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 2 Peter 3.9 is talking about God's patience and His endurance, and they're talking about it in relationship to God bringing judgment on the world. And in reference to his patience, they say, well, why is he patient? And do you guys know what the rest of the verse says? It says, because he wishes that none should perish. God's kingdom has just been blown wide open to include all of mankind. Any whosoever who the Father draws to Christ. That is a big deal. Now as we... As we transition, I want to give you guys some more information that really completes this picture of Christ's work of redemption. Now, this might be a crude example, but bear with me, please. When Christ died, similar to a financial institution having all the resources in the world where you can go and make deposits, you can go and make ransomed withdrawals for your mortgages, Christ opened up a blood bank for all of mankind, His people. But as I've been praying and, and going through this, I thought the other thing that He did in John 16, two other things happen here. Jesus says, when I leave, I will send the Holy Spirit and He will convict the world of righteousness because of their unbelief. Now think about this. We are totally incapable of repentance apart from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We are weak. We are incapacitated. We are blind. We are deaf. Our heart prior to Christ was like a brick. It was a rock. The Old Testament says that your and my hearts were hard. God comes in, does heart surgery, removes a stony heart of flesh, and gives us a new soft heart that we might obey God and become part of His people. So not only did Christ provide this blood bank, but then He's all, you know what? They don't even know how to repent. They can't even have access to that apart from me convicting them of their sin and giving them opportunity to repent. And then the third part of that, the Holy Spirit now empowers you and I to hear God's voice. It empowers us to understand the Scriptures, to discern and obey God's will. And then I would, I would ask you, so what should be our response to this idea of His people now that the Holy Spirit has convicted you and I of our sin. I mean, there's three components to it. First one is repent. 
okay? Throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, the number one thing, Jesus speaks, Paul speaks, the disciples speak, John the Baptist. Today we should be speaking this to those around us, is to repent. Again, Holy Spirit comes. We've got these rock, stony hearts. He chips it away. They call it breaking up the fallow ground, ground that has been so saturated it's like a rock. Holy Spirit comes, saturates that. Seed is poured in, and you and I are offered the gift of God's goodness, which is repentance. Second thing is to confess. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus and Lord, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth, confession is made. And with the heart, man believes. And then the third thing is accept. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. And here's the kicker, and that not of yourselves. Once again, our incapacity, our weakness, our lack of strength is highlighted as God says, you don't even have faith, but by grace I give you the faith to accept what my Son has done for you. So I want to talk briefly about in the scripture that we're talking about, it says their sin. I would just say our sin. And I, I'd like to give you guys just two notes of background. Probably a year, year and a half ago, Betty and I were talking, and she looked at me and she said, Hey, I know the scriptures say that there is coming a time when there's going to be a great falling away, where people who would name the name of Christ walk away. And she said, How do we make sure that we're not part of that group. And I will tell you, I didn't have much of an answer for Betty then, but that has been like a thorn in my heart, a wonder and a question in my mind as I've thought through that. How do we make sure that we are not part of those who fall away? And the other thing that leads me to want to like harm you guys with the Word of God is ravenous wolves desire to enter into giving you and I wisdom that will lead us to hell. Joel Olstein and his likes lead people to hell with what they call the Word of God. And it's false. And it angers me don't succumb to that I want to read you a verse in Hebrews Hebrews 6 verse 4 says for it's impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and men have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up for contempt. 
Man, those are some harsh words. And if you think in Matthew, I think it's 25, the sheeps and the goats. If you guys remember the story, Jesus looks to the guys on his left and says, depart from me. And they're all, wait, time out. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we? And they list a whole, th- weren't we Sunday school teachers? Didn't we move to Detroit and help the poor? And they list all these things. And what does Jesus say? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Now I'm hoping that you guys are sick to your stomach. I'm hoping you are grieved to the core of your soul over the possibility of being convinced other than what the gospel itself is. A call to carry your cross, a call to deny yourself, a call to love those that are enemies that are unlike us, the foreigner, the person that doesn't think like we do, might have different theology. And I hope that that acid that's in my stomach right now as I speak to you, I pray that that stays with you the rest of your life so that you are constantly listening for the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit to say, am I in obedience? Am I in repentance? Am I constantly refreshing my soul in the presence of the Lord? And I'm going to leave you with two points. We're in Advent, the season of hope. And I would be remiss to leave you guys without hope. So alongside this acid in your stomach, this prick in your conscience, place the next couple things I'm going to tell you so that you don't fall into foolish and wrong condemnation. Paul says, 2 Corinthians, he talks about testing and examining yourselves whether ye be in the faith. I'm not going to go into that. There's lots of good sermons. A guy named Paul Washer's got a great sermon on that. But I will tell you, saints, I want to encourage you. You need to be examining yourselves on a daily basis as to whether or not you're in the faith so that we are walking in obedience to Christ. Now, two things I want to tell you as we wrap up. The, the, my entire sermon, when we've talked about His people, I hope I've made it clear that God is always the initiator in our relationship. It says, when we were without strength, Christ died for us. Think about the Old Testament. Constantly, God was reaching out, calling Israel back to repentance, calling them back to be His people. God always, always has been the initiator. And He will continue to do so in your life. So I want to wrap it up with one more verse. Right when I got saved, I wish I could remember to go back and hear the sermon, but there was a sermon taught, and it was King James Version, but Romans 5, there's seven places in Romans 5 where there's a situation given, And then it says, how much more?
and then it gives a better situation that God himself has provided. So while, while you've got this prick in your conscience, while you've got this godly fear, I want the hope of this verse in Romans 5 to cover all of that and to bring this whole thing full circle. It says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved by His life? If while we were enemies, Jesus started a blood bank for you and I. If while we were enemies, Jesus sent His convicting work of the Holy Spirit. If while we were enemies, He sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to illuminate your mind, to crack the shell of your heart, to cause pride to be repented of, and humbleness to be your new mantra. How much more shall we be saved by His life? If you are a believer... There is no condemnation in Christ if you're walking after the Spirit of God. I still want that prick in your conscience, and I pray for you guys that that never leave you so that it spurns us on to righteousness. It says in Romans that God's goodness leads us to repentance. So remember, while we were enemies, Christ set the whole thing up for your and my benefit. And then it says, how much more shall we be saved by His life? His life because of His resurrection. His life because He sent the Holy Spirit to convict. His life because He sent the Holy Spirit to give you and I to discern ravenous wolves. To discern God's particular will for your life that you might walk a path of obedience. Now think back to the initial story that I talked about, about the orphanage. Those two boys had no idea that they didn't belong to a family. They had no idea when the husband and wife picked them up and left. That's why they turned around and were longing for and crying for their old life. They didn't know what this new His people was going to be. When they got to America, you got to imagine, it took a number of months, and the husband and wife said that they finally saw that the kids got it when they quit hiding food in the pockets of the little seats that they were in because they realized there was going to be food. You and I, before we were believers, we didn't know that we were orphans or we didn't know that we were of the family of Satan. The Bible says... This is so cool. I don't remember what's out. I think Colossians. It says, we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His dear Son. So I want to encourage you. My presumption is most of you guys have repented, confessed, accepted God's grace, and you've chosen the crucified life. You've chosen a walk of obedience. But if you haven't, if you're wondering, if you're pondering, or people who are listening to us online as I look to you guys in the congregation, 
I got to imagine that some of us have this question in the back of my mind, am I doing the right thing? Or you're wondering, like, what is this guy talking about? Well, I want to tell you, Christ gave his life a ransom for you. He did so with this blood bank, and he did so by sending the Holy Spirit to convict you so that your eyes would be open like scales fall, fell off of Saul's eyes. He's all, whoa, okay, I get it now. It's all been a work of the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you, let's just give another example. Let's say after service, Leon comes up here and says, hey, MacAv, I want to tell you, Dan Gilbert came and he filled the Huntington Bank with money for all of you so that you would have no debt. All you got to do is go there. Three months later, one of the congregation members comes up to Leanne and says, hey, I got a late notice on my mortgage. What would Leanne say? Did you go get the ransom for your mortgage? Well, no. What's my point? You have to buy into, you have to withdraw, you have to repent, and you have to accept this work of Christ. It doesn't do you any good to hear my words if you're not going to act on it. Whether that's you've not been a believer, and all of a sudden you choose to be a believer, to be in his family, or if you're a believer and you refuse to act on God's word. So may I plead with you, if you guys are sitting here, if any of you, the children, any of you or anybody watching, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Christ has opened up a blood bank and your name is on deposit there. Plain and simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He died for each one of you here. If you guys would pray with me. Heavenly Father, you have always been the initiator. From creation to walking in the garden to signing the covenant on your behalf and ours as we were powerless to even sign our name to this covenant. You've worked both ends of this thing, Father. Holy Spirit, I would pray and I would ask you if there are people that are listening to this sermon who do not know you, who are wondering or pondering who the Holy Spirit is pricking their conscience, Father, would you complete that work in them? And would you continue, Father God, to renew in us a heart of repentance? Thank you that while we were enemies, we were reconciled to you by the death of your Son. And Lord, we continue to be reconciled to you through the life of your Son, via the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending Christ. We have hope above all help above all hope that we would have in man, we place that all in Christ. In Jesus' name.